0: Mysteries, hoaxes, folklore, conspiracy, and pseudo history. Topics sometimes avoided by historians who don't want to normalize nonsense or draw attention to the blind spots in our knowledge of the past. But these are some of our most intriguing tales The Lost Colony of Roanoke, The Man in the Iron Mask, The Princes in the Tower, The Battle of Los Angeles the Turin Shroud. Stories like these, fraught with ambiguities and falsehoods and suggesting alternate views of history, not only entertain, but also teach us to view the past and the present with a critical eye. Join me, Nathaniel Lloyd, as I delve into these stories on my podcast, Historical Blindness, and shine a light in the darker corners of the past. New episodes every other Tuesday. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and most podcast apps. Boy, oh boy, Marie.
1: I know, right? It's been a day. It's been a day. It's been a day. What a day it
2: has been. Tell you what. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So we have to stop everything. We have to stop everything that we had planned on our books to discuss and record. We had to like literally take days off from work just because we have to figure out what the hell is going on with the new Cats trailer, yeah. the new musical Cats, and we have to discuss it. I'm sorry if this is if this is too on point for some people. This is a, too much of a hot take, <laughs> but. I saw it and I literally was like, oh my God, what does Cox think of this?
0: <laughs> Has you seen
1: this yet? It's pretty, it's pretty scary, right? It, I, I, as, okay. Yeah. As somebody who enjoys the creature of the cats, right? We, or love, cre- cat. you know, we love cats. Love cats. Big cat fans on this podcast. We are, we are people who love cats. It's, and I, and listen, I'm a fan. I'm definitely a fan of art forms that are, that are way past their prime, like musicals too. Oh, so, (laughs) so, you know, I'm I'm kind of into it, right? Like, it's kind of fun. I'm kind of into it, but it's such a weird, it's just such, all of it is weird. The whole thing about it is weird. The original show is, is freaking weird. And the original show is a little strange, too. It's but, all weird. Yeah, yeah, it's all terrifying yeah, and yeah, weird, Marie.
2: Yeah. So if, so if you haven't seen it yet and you have no idea what all of a sudden we've gone, we've gone off the deep end about this time, it is a remake of a Broadway musical from the 1980s called Cats. And it is being remade by Tom Hooper, who was the director who brought us, uh, I think he brought us uh, The King's Speech and a few other a few other pretty, pretty well-received films. Um, and he's adapting it into a uh, feature length film. And they just, I believe it was at Comic-Con or coinciding with Comic-Con that they premiered the trailer and it has, it has a number of very prominent musicians and actors and uh, stringer bells in it even Um and the scary thing about it is, is it, you can tell that they've just it, they've thrown money at it. They have a huge amount of talented people singing and and performing in it, and it is the most terrifying thing on the face of the planet because of how they portray the cats in the actual trailer itself.
1: Well, all, okay, and, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not good.
2: <laughs> it's It's not good, and they even they even went so far as to release like this the making of you know in a little snippet trailer as well when they're talking about sort of so here's you know they have all the talented people like oh God, like Judy Dench and uh. Taylor Swift and Hudson talking about oh my god it's such a it's a seminal musical it's like I fell in love with it when I was a child and it's such an honor to be bringing it to you know to the masses and I am so like there's such this almost religious society around it and then they start to then they show them in. so you're you're looking at there and you're like oh yeah I know her. That's Jennifer. Oh, that's James Tony dance. Yeah. That's, you know, that's M from a, from a bond. And then all of a sudden you see her in like in her digitalized cat form. And it is like the most horrific thing on the face of the planet. And you literally like, you literally feel revulsion. And there's actually, there's like, scientific reasons for why people have a certain reaction to it because some people are like eh, it seems all right seems like it might be good good popcorn film and then there's others that are like this is the creepiest thing i've ever seen and they need to have they need to abolish this
1: yeah it's so yeah so this episode we are going to talk about the uncanny valley uh virtual reality generally and just uh, just cats just why cats why 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 cats <laughs> Why cats All right, Marie so the okay, the little bit of research I did for this so for okay, for listeners that do not know again, we we you gotta watch the trailer, right?
2: You do have to watch the trailer you gotta you to watch, watch the, trailer. the
1: trailer and it's important also to know. So this whole thing started off as like a fever dream of Andrew Lloyd Webber's. He actually... Yes. What's interesting, actually, is he started... um, He actually started working on something like this when he was a kid. Because he actually had the the, the book, Cats itself, the play, is based on a book of poems by T.S. Eliot called Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, which have a bunch of, like... Weird poems like, you know, the Song of the Jellicles, the Rum Tum Tugger, Growl Tiger's Last Stand, Gus the Theater Cat, McCavity the Mystery Cat, uh, Skimble Shanks, right? All this other stuff. And so interestingly, it was all of that random stuff. Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, well, what if we make a play where there's a group of these cats and they all live in like... I don't even remember if in the original play they live in like the human world or if they live in a cat's human world, but essentially it's like a weird dystopia where once a year, all of the cats get together and the cats are called Jellicles. That's like their gang, right? So you got the Jellicles, you got the Bloods, you got the crips. Yeah. And then the Jellicles get together and they have essentially like a dance off to decide (laughs) which cat is the most deserving to ascend through the heavy side layer which is yes. uh their version yes. of like ascending to nirvana or heaven.
2: Yes. But it, but it let's let's back up by saying that the 80s was the perfect time for Andrew Lloyd Webber to put this to put this out, right? Because it's like he took it from something that, that is not a linear story to begin with. And then he puts it You know, he tests it in in London and then he rolls it out on Broadway and people kind of go nuts for it. And it's again, it's like it makes no sense, but there is a prestige to getting tickets. It's considered like if you can get tickets to go see Cats, it's considered a it was like it was more of an Hamilton. It was like it was at least in like Hamilton's like really actually good, makes sense. And it has a story to it. Cats is like, again, like I think people went to go see it just for the prestige of going to see it, but they didn't really understand what what the hell it was about because it wasn't about anything. What what is a Jellicle cat? There's no, there's no, the only plot is they are, they come together for a dance-off and one of them gets to ascend. And I think that's it.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And so the sections, the play is in two acts. The first act is when cats are maddened by the midnight dance and Act Two mm-hmm. is why will the summer day delay? When will time flow away? Uh, proving that there is no limit to the amount of cocaine Andrew Lloyd Webber can do. The uh, terrifying, dude, terrifying dude, it bank. It did. Here's the thing, right? It made bank. It made crazy bank. It made so much crazy damn bank. money when it first released. It's like the, it was the longest running Broadway production for a huge amount of years. Right, it premiered yep. 38 years ago. It's been going. Yes. It was 21 years the first run. It's been going, you know, off and on since then too, which is just wild as hell. It's just like, and it had a direct to TV movie, which is why I know of it best because I was tortured with it <laughs> as a child quite frequently.
0: So, oh my god! And here's
1: the thing, right? The, okay, so that's that's kind of the background, right? And so, um, you know. One day, Hollywood executives were in a room meeting with (laughs) Satan, and Satan said to them, hey, let's remake Cats, right? Like, it worked great. Well, they had just
2: gotten done with The Lion King, and they were like, what could freak people out more than The Lion
1: King? Right. What else? What else? We did Aladdin. Did we do Aladdin? Yeah, we got Aladdin.
2: Uh, You know, we're done with, we got to let Disney go for a little bit. People are starting to get onto us about Disney. What about, what about Cats?
0: Yeah.
1: And and so this actually follows so Tom Hooper what's what's interesting with Tom Hooper Marie in some ways is I feel like he had a pretty like so he was he did Elizabeth I, he did the John Adams uh series, right? He's part of like you said the King's yeah. Speech. Then he did King's uh speech. Les Misérables and then Cats and oh, The God. Danish Girl too he did. He also did The Danish Girl, right?
2: Okay, so everything up to Les Mis perfectly fine. Perfectly good, right? I mean, like, I feel like The King's Speech got a little hyped. And it should have been more like an HBO or like a Netflix kind of, you know, it wasn't as big as what, but all perfectly good, well-acted, interesting films. And then, you know, again, Les Mis, I'm not, I'm not a big Les Mis fan. Les Mis is huge. And I know people get really worked up about it. You know, it doesn't, eh, but... But anyways, but I mean again, like it's still at least at least it was some but this, yes, I'm sorry, keep going.
1: No, so so Ooh. that so that's that's the that's how that happened. And so then they kind of grabbed together like a random uh, okay. So they grabbed together a essentially a grab bag list of random of random actors and actresses for this movie. Some of but whom are talented. some of whom are truly talented. shocking. It is truly shocking that they could get well, Judy Dench shocked? to be in this movie.
2: Yes. Well, they got James Corden. James Corden is a huge vocal talent. Uh, Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson, huge vocal talent. Taylor Swift, arguable. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. So good, bad, and different. She's still very well known for singing uh, "Stringer Bell." Right. They got uh, Idris. Yeah, Idris, so, Idris?
1: So, so here's yeah, so here's the character list. So Francesca Hayward uh-huh. is Victoria, who she is mm-hmm. a, uh, she, is she's a, dan- a she is a ballerina. She's a ballerina soon prima. to be soon to be ex-actress. Um <laughs> she, Victoria She the is like a,
2: a prima ballerina, so she's very well known in the arts. Yes. So this yeah, this is yeah. sort of this is sort of a questionable move. Yeah, so Judy
1: okay. Judy Dench as old Duter Deuteronomy.
2: Deuteronomy. 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 Yeah.
1: Yep. So uh mm-hmm. she was the leader, like the head gang member. She's the Shug knight of the uh Jellicles. <laughs> then you have um then you have Jennifer Hudson Hudson as Grizzabella, yeah. who appears to be mm-hmm. a cat made of garbage. Um Taylor Swift as Bombalarina, which ah. I don't know. Idris Elba as McCavity, mm-hmm. who the cavity the magical cat right? I don't even understand What's how name? they got Idris Elba to be in this uh, Jason Derulo <laughs> as rum-tum-tugger that one makes a little bit more sense that he'd be in this movie um, uh, yeah. Lori Davidson as Mr. Mistoffelees This mm-hmm. is a badass name um, Mr. Mistoffel- yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, James Corden as Bustopher Jones which is a little bit of a personal attack on me I don't appreciate it um, and then Rebel Wilson as Jenny and yes. Dots, and can, can uh, I feel? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know.
2: I I love Rebel Wilson. Like again, like people that have you know, but have you've seen them sing before? Totally respectable in in a lot of circumstances. And then you're like, well, how, this isn't you know. And again, like if you didn't know anything about it or if you hadn't seen anything. And you were like, oh, they're they're getting together. Do, they're doing singing. I, I, you know, I, I saw I saw La La Land. I thought it was all right. I can hang with that. And then you see the video, and I think the thing about the video and about the the, the trailer and what the entire like God only knows how long this movie is going to be like two hours plus of this is they don't look like cats. They're covered with like this digitalized fur but they have human faces and they have, sometimes they walk on two legs. Sometimes they walk on four legs. They have t- like tails that move, but they're in human form. And then they have human hands and human feet. So they don't have paws. So it invokes, like as soon as it dropped. People on Twitter just basically freaked out, and there were people that, that there were people that liked it and were excited, and then everyone else was like, "This is the creepiest s I've ever seen in my entire life." And it, one of the reasons for that is because there's it's like a scientific, a relatively scientific response to, um, called it was coined by Freud in 1919, called the uncanny, the, uh, the no, Heimlich. Unheimlich, Unheimlich. think I'm saying that right, which basically is someone's reaction to something that should be familiar. So you are, you are, um, observing or seeing something that hypothetically should be very familiar to you. It should be, it's the image of another person. It's the image of something that you grew up with or something that is, like I said, very familiar to you. And instead of having an endearing or a bonding um sensation to it, it becomes repulsive, and you don't exactly know why. There's something about it that is just that that much off from from what your expectation of a natural form should be that it repulses you. And to me, that is like exactly what happened with with this whole with this whole thing with the cats. It also happened recently with the, um, with the Sonic trailer the that they dropped for Sonic the Hedgehog.
1: Yes. It very, it very yes. much so happened with Sonic the Hedgehog too. So yeah. so the, yes. Like Marie said, it's sort of a, it's sort of a, uh, it's sort of a, it's like a physical revulsion or response yeah. to something being just slightly off enough to make you uncomfortable, you know? Yes. So the way that the the way that I've actually always understood it is with my own personal nightmare of a doppelganger, right? Mm -hmm. That's always been Mm -hmm. like, it's that thing. It's, it's similar to why say like a, a, the image of say like Slender man is so scary Mm
0: -hmm. is
1: it's this thing that looks humanoid, but it's just, it's a little off, right? Same thing with aliens too. Mm -hmm. They're, they're like humans, but their, their hands are a little too long or the, the limbs are a little too spindly or, head's a little too big, right? It's, it's just off enough right. that it makes you uncomfortable. And it's a really hard, it's I feel like it's something that horror movies have had a hard time portraying really well, yet yeah. our musical theater companies have been nailing it <laughs> for nailing decades. It right. Just for decades. Because it's,
2: it's something that happens in your unconscious. So, so if you are consciously trying to invoke it, it doesn't work as well. Right? Because the, the root of the word is, is um, the German for home. Or home some about about the home homely in the respect yeah. of the hearth and home right and it's cozy it's intimate it's safe right and so the inversion of that is something that is that should be all of those things but it, but is the exact mirror opposite so you see that again with like the doppelgangers the idea of the other the idea of like um dolls uh puppetry things that along that that line that again like it's not consciously like if somebody starts off to consciously try and invoke this, you're you almost um, you're so used to it now that you kind of kind of blows right over you and you can kind of get past it. It's it's when it comes up in sort of more everyday things or in everyday examples or when it's not supposed to be <laughs> creepy and it comes across as super creepy. Yeah. Like with these cats.
1: Yeah, so the, the original so creepy. The original word the the original word or the reason that we know it is from mm-hmm. the uncanny valley, which actually is coming from a, a mixture of a term that was identified by a robotics professor, uh Masahiro mm-hmm. Mori, as Bukimi no Tani Gensho, right? In the seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like Which is so cool. It's so interesting, right? So it's it's kind of like it's one of those things where Philosophy and, or psychology, I guess I would say, and yeah. and, and yeah. science kind of catch up to each other, you know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, a f- it's
2: especially about, like, robots, right? And our reaction to robotic, and especially, like, animation in robotics, too. Which yeah. Is so
1: especially fascinating. What's What's interesting, right, is that it, what's the word? It becomes, so his hypothesis was this idea that there is a point. So imagine you have a robot. And, you know, right, like, let's say your Google Home, your Google Home right now looks like a little annoying cylinder that will occasionally help you with the weather, but ultimately is just, you know, mishearing your Spotify requests. (laughs) So
2: it's just, it's a little bloop that sits on your desk, right? right, And you don't identify it with anything except it being around. It's sort of cute. Maybe it's just like a little bloop.
1: Right. So it it doesn't, it doesn't have any physical features though. It has no human like appearance or anything. So it's just, it's just a machine. But imagine you put, a, you put a little face on the Google Home, right? Yes. Or imagine you build it to have a little body, right? Now it's a little Google Home guy that stands there and hangs out with you, right? Um, as, as those human traits increase, your empathy with the robot will increase, right? And so the mm-hmm. more and more human it gets, the more and more you will feel empathetic towards this thing. But then there is a certain point upon which your empathy turns to revulsion. (laughs) And so that point... quickly Yes, really quickly, right? So that point between where the thing is not human enough or it's too human that you feel revulsion to then the theoretical regaining of empathy towards a human character or something, that is the uncanny valley, yeah?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so it's the dip, like again you empathize you sympathize you you see your reflection in it some way in that it still is um homey or you can still again like there's still something appealing about it like again if it's if it's uh cute or if it's um like they did this they did this whole study about Volkswagen and how Volkswagen modeled a certain year of car the the front um the grill and the headlights on a on the car was um I can't remember what the year was, but they did a big study on it and it was to, it was to mimic either a, a child, baby or a animal's face, right? So it has the big eyes and it's looking up at you and it looks sort of helpless. And that was one of their selling points. That was something that they built, actually, they built into the car and it, or built into the dynamics of how the car looked and it sold really well and people really liked it. And so when they came out with the next iteration, it didn't do as well because there wasn't this sort of this sort of appeal or this sort of uh I don't know, this again this subconscious sort of like want to to take care of it or to to like it because it is it was appealing. But then all of a sudden you can see when something gets a bit too human and a bit too close to being a replicant of a human, then all of a sudden it becomes revulsion. And this happens especially like the drop or the valley portion happens especially if it if it starts to move, if it mm. becomes animatronic or it moves. Because if it's just sitting still, again, you're, you psychologically you can sort of put it in the right context that it's not a living thing. If it starts to move, your revulsion goes up because it's beginning to mimic your... Behavior in more than, in more than one way, right? And it's actually it's actually becoming a a physical thing, which I think is kind of creepy. And I think like I was trying to think of like a good recent example of this, and I think it's the from the movie um, Annihilation that was okay. by the book, and it's at the very end where uh spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but whatever the thing is that's that's taken over. Um, the Southern Reach, Area X, starts to mimic the movement and the look of uh, Natalie Portman, who is the, the star in it. Hmm. And it's very, it is very, like, uncanny. It starts off as something that seems very, like, not very threatening. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, And you don't really know why, and it's because it's starting to move. And you're like, oh.
1: Interesting. And again,
2: that's, like, <laughs> they hit on that super well for cats, because these cats are like singing and dancing. (laughs) And you're like, there's one scene where it's like you you can't even really figure out the scale because they're like they're in this, they're in they're sitting at this human table and they seem smaller and the doors are really big. And so you're like, Well, are they the size of normal cats? Why do they still have hands? And then all of a sudden they're out singing and dancing, and some of them are wearing clothes and some of them aren't wearing clothes, and you're like, Why are they still wearing clothes? And then and then they have cat-like ears but they have normal human faces. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech.
1: Yeah, so- like, ew, yeah, it's, why is that? It's a, so it's interesting, right? There's a couple of different, there's a couple of different reasons why we think that the unc- Uncanny Valley exists, like physically- right? Because mm-hmm. it seems, it seems like such a weird thing. Again, though, yeah. this is part of like a just, this is something of a just so story, right? Because it's like, uh, to, to me, a lot of these seem like we are putting, um, putting like sensible document or not sensible documentation, but almost like we're, we're making something that we feel fit into biological or evolutionary terms when really it's mm-hmm. just, maybe it's just a weird thing. We just don't like robots. Do you know what I mean?
2: Two realistic humanoid robots
1: well, well, and zombies. Yeah, but so
2: zombies is the, also the bottom of the uh, uncanny valley.
1: So there's a cu- there's a couple of these here, right? There's there's uh, the idea of mate selection, the idea mm-hmm. of mortality salience, uh, pathogenic avoidance. Uh, the, it's a it's a paradox of our human identity, a violation of our norms, uh, It changes our religious definitions. Um, it it, sh- it gives us a threat. So all of these are basically all those same kind of things, right? And then the other one is too, uh, conflicting perceptual cues, which is probably the least of the ridiculous. I'd say it's the least ridiculous of them all, generally. But um, Marie, do we want to go through each of these and maybe try to explain what they mean? Yeah, sure. Heck yeah. So okay, so mate. Okay, so mate selection, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is like the general, just so stupid evolutionary biology one or biology, you know, where people say like well, why do guys play guitar? And it's like, cause playing guitar is like good for you getting mates, man. And so then like, that's evolutionary advantageous. And so that's why playing guitar is like evolution, man. And it's like, oh my God, take off the beret. Shut up. You don't know any, you know, you're, you're a freshman in philosophy. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it, Carl. Um Stop it, Dave. So the, Nobody's interested. The essential idea here is that, and this is similar to the other one, which is, mm-hmm. um, what's the word? Similar to the pathogenic avoidance one. Essentially what it's yeah, saying is that is awesome. you are looking at something that is, your brain, like you are seeing something that is supposed right. to be human and healthy and normal. Right. And so you expect it to look a certain and way. it's not. Right. And right. your brain is seeing a monster. And so your brain is like, get away from it, right? Like run. It's having
2: some reaction, like the mate selection. You're seeing something and biologically, you know, it is not your species, right? Right. There's something in it that you're like, this isn't good. And it's a threat. It's almost like, again, it it like starts to trigger the fight or flight response, but it doesn't really even go that far because it's mimicking. It's mimicking you. Right. It's, it's 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 as close to human as you can get, and yet you're still like, ew, like this is not this isn't an appropriate uh mate. This isn't an appropriate biological evolutionary
1: pattern. Right. And so it's part it's actually part of a I think probably the most interesting part of this argument is it is similar to the revulsion you feel when looking at a a currently deceased corpse or a uh you know, or someone who is, who is diseased, someone who's in like a hospital bed, right? Who's very, very ill. Who's clearly dying. Right. Um, Which is
2: the pathogen, right? Right. Like you are, yeah. it, it, you are triggered and it, it's the fight or flight to be, to keep away from
1: it. Right. There is, there, there appears to be something intrinsic in our biology that causes us to feel revulsion at the idea of like banging a corpse. Right. <laughs> and so it's that, it's that revulsion it's that revulsion that you yes. um you feel in the Uncanny yes. Valley because yes. it's your body it's your mind essentially saying like it's your body saying don't bang that guy Right. Like don't like don't bang the <laughs> don't bang the uh uh Taylor Swift cats monster thing. It's not gonna work out the way you think. You know It's
2: not even human. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that is very like they're
1: very. They're just super creepy. See, but you know what? Their tails. Like their tails are really creepy. See, but, they. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say all these so all these arguments though get like hmm. super close to eugenics, right? Because it's like you know. What you, mean? you think? Yeah, that's it's, it's like like how this is the same because because really? like okay what what okay so is it oh you and eugenics is no, it, no, I'm just is, it thinking, is it natural then. If okay, if the uncanny valley, if the uncanny uh-huh. valley, is a natural expression Correct. of a biological right. drive, right, that we can't control, right, right, then I don't think
2: it's necessarily all biological. I think it's psychological.
1: Some yeah, sure, it's it is psychological to some it's extent. Psychological, reaction. but still, yeah. we're saying that it is because. So that's the thing, though. That's the point where right. the argument turns. Is it that we are? Is it that our psychology has been molded by our society? So that because society says banging a corpse is wrong, we feel revulsion at the idea. Or is it the other way that biologically banging a corpse would be bad for us evolutionarily or as a species? And so therefore our society Mm -hmm. has morphed to mimic that in a in like a societal meme and like in a norm. Right. So I would argue
2: because you're going for the extreme of like corpses again like corpses and zombies are like the total bottom of the uh, of the of the valley i think it's psychological in that it is it is the representation of self and the, and i'm more about like the identity of okay. self not so much eugenics but like when i look in the mirror i see what i am you, you know you you become used to seeing yourself and used to seeing yourself in you know move used to seeing yourself in 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 scope and sort of in context, um, yes. the uncanny is when you see something that sh- that should have those same traits. It should have that same um, that same likeness. Is likeness is a really bad term for it because it's not just the physical likeness, but it's the psychological likeness. Like if I'm looking at something, and you know, you can you, there's there's again like there is a a attachment because it is safe it's it's known it's the it's the canny right it's not like the uncanny because the uncanny is again a the thing that is the the um the repulsion from that so, so it's like i think it's about
1: self identity so i was going to say actually, yeah so yeah. what so what what marie is hinting at is a way to get mm-hmm. away from that it's not eugenic right it's a way it's a way to get it's a way to get away from that kind of Uh, more, you know, questionably, uh, rhetorically Mm -hmm. questionable argument I just made, (laughs) which is the idea that it is not, which
2: was awesome,
1: right, which which is that it is not linked to our biology necessarily. Instead, what it is, is that we we as humans can and must recognize other moral beings that are deserving of empathy and respect. Right. And Marie, if I'm if I'm getting your argument wrong, correct me. Mm -hmm. but essentially it's the idea that like I, I know when I look at another person, I can recognize that they have a consciousness that they are, that they have feelings and will, will have emotions and will be hurt by things that I can say or do. And so therefore there is a kind of um, a mutual respect or a recognition rather that there is another consciousness there. And so they are deserving of my empathy. On the other hand, when looking at say, a robot that marionette well yeah yeah yeah, exactly when looking at a when looking at a robot that appears to be human psychologically i want to give that thing empathy but it is not deserving of empathy necessarily because it's not it's not a it's not a consciousness right and so it brings up all these uncomfortable questions about first off what does it mean to be deserving of empathy right can you, well, I think can you make the empathy argument- Empathy
2: might be strong. Empathy, again, like I don't even know if it's so much as empathy as it is like identity, right? Because empathy means that you have the ability to sympathize or to empathize with something else. I think it's almost more of like identity and how do I build and how do I, how do I construct my own identity? Okay. Which will lead to empathy, but it's almost like if I'm- So if I'm, I look in a mirror, I can visually, I can visually identify myself- that's me in the mirror. I can understand sort of myself in context. If I'm out in the world, I may not have that type of reflection except in other people to realize, again, more it's almost like more myopic, but it's more like my identity exists in me. I can, I can see something that's another human. It's different, but I can also recognize they have their own identity. I think the thing with the uncanny valley is when you see something and you don't get that immediate read, it could be empathy, but it also could just be the, the mirror existence of self.
1: Mm, I get what you're saying. Okay, so right? another, okay, so yeah. that's another – that's actually – I think – I get what you're saying there. I think that kind of leads into or at least is similar to the idea of the mortal or mortality salience point, which is that um, mm-hmm. seeing hmm. seeing something that is uncanny – Right, mm-hmm. like these 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 characters mm-hmm. from Cats or an Android or something, <laughs> makes one makes a, makes you as a person question yourself and the things that you believe about yourself in a way that makes right. you uncomfortable. Right.
2: Well, and that, that uncomfort becomes revulsion because you don't. Freud would argue you don't want to face those things. Right. So you turn them off immediately, and by turning them off, you are revulsed. By the, right. By so- the other.
1: Yeah, so what, so some of the examples they actually give, some of the examples that are often given for this are things like, um are things like, you know, a simple, like a robot, a robot that looks like a human may represent a existential threat to you because it, it may represent you being replaced, right? You're net, you can net, you know, you might be able to be as good as a human, but you will never be able to be as good at your job as a robot. Right. You'll you'll never be as fast as a robot or whatever. Right. So it elicits this uncomfortableness at the same time too. It elicits feelings of uh, what's the word? Like, you know, well, if they can build a robot in, if, if they can build a robot that looks just like a human, then how can I ever know who's a human? And how can I know that I'm not just a meat machine? (laughs) Right. Like seriously though. And
2: And now we're down the rabbit hole. Yeah. The interesting thing is, so, in robotics, in sort of like the robot arm, is not as peaked in the in the uncanny valley, right? So a ro- a robotic arm that is like in an assembly line arm does not um, invoke a threat, right? It's more like you were saying it's got to be more um, more the likeliness or the like the representation of a human.
1: Honestly, right, I think
2: the face, the eyes. I, I was
1: gonna say, I honestly think it's walking. I think walking is the thing that does it. I think the, honestly, think when it starts
2: to move, so it's I think, definitely. I yeah. think it's definitely when it starts to move that it, it it drops. They, I was looking at a graph on it, and this is kind of cool because I never really understood where uncanny valley came from until starting to study this this um, this philosopher of this robotics professor, and it's sort of like. Can you imagine being like so? You've dedicated yourself to a science, all right, Chris. So you're all like, "I am, I am a doctor of a science," and then all of a sudden, it starts to creep you out a little bit. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you're, like, you're like, "God, I really feel like I don't want to be in the in the room having this whatever it is chemical look at me." <laughs> I don't want to be in the same room as it. Like, I don't even want to talk about it with other people. But it's sort of like that must be really hard because you've dedicated your life to something that all of a sudden psychologically is beginning to trip you out.
1: It's
0: all. I, it's mean,
2: all, it, it, I feel it's, bad for the director, Hooper, man. He must be like, oh, God.
1: It's, all, it, it's also one of those weird things, I think, where can you ima- can you imagine being the one person in your friend group who isn't weirded out by the cats trailer? you know what I mean? <laughs> like can you ima- uh, I mean l- who do you think l- l- ar- ours know. there's probably somebody out there who's like, I thought it was cool, yeah, I don't know, but y- <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> I don't know. it's one of those things. It's one of those things that's kind of uh what's the word? it's we are talking about it as if it is this universal human emotion of revulsion at this thing. and so like, what does it mean when they? What does it mean if you don't feel that revulsion? Right. It's another one of those. It's another one of those uncomfortable things that the uncanny valley kind of represents. Right. It's like yes. you ever see that. You ever see that documentary? It it got turned into that movie Lars and the Real Girl. Yes. Where it's a it's about these that. people that live with uh, life like sex dolls. Oh my God. Right. And like they dress oh them up. They take them to the movie. Those things mm-hmm. are heavy. Those things are like three hundred pounds. You know what I mean? I
2: didn't They're- know. I, I've i never picked one up. Oh, my God. Like, I had no well, idea. I've,
1: I've never picked one up either. Way, way to throw shade. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mine is you very. You right that. Model. You're like,
2: do you know that they are very heavy? And I'm like,
1: no, I had no idea. They're go so on. hard to. They're so hard to clean, and the wigs are expensive, and it's ridiculous. <laughs>
2: um, Keep and they are always talking. She's always on my ear about stuff. She's always talking. She wants this handbag, these new shoes, and you're like, she you won't shut up. <laughs>
1: um, the, uh, the uh, it's it's one of those situations where you know even when people have uncomfortable uh and i think another example of this is sort of the anthropomorphizing of things like say fur suits right it creates this uncomfortable link and it's it's honestly it's partially why i think uh what's the word like getting into even more deeper odd territory here like fetishes right um why but, yeah but fetish
2: i don't know i think the uncanny va- i think it's i don't know I, see, if it's. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Think, that's a good question. I, I,
1: I think it's like. I think it's almost like the reverse of a fetish, right? It's there are there are undoubtedly people out there who would rather be with a robot than with a human. There are undoubtedly yes. those people, yes. right? And that's yes. for different. That's for different reasons, right? Whatever. Yes. But I would also say that as the uncanny valley it elicits an uncomfortable response to us. But I bet that there are people out there whose wires have gotten crossed somehow, you know, and not not to say that there's anything good or bad about that, whatever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. for some reason, their upbringing, their personality type, their whatever, has led them to actually, instead of feeling the revulsion to the Uncanny Valley, they feel the opposite, right? So – you know, I think it's, you're I right. think it's a Could very be. similar. Or even
2: nothing. Nobody sees, they they see right. it. Like, right. I think that that's almost stranger. Like if you have zero reaction to it and you're like, yeah, it seems pretty normal. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, one way or the other on it. Because right. then it's like, I feel like, again, the reason you have a reaction like that, either good or bad, is so your mind is telling you to take an action, which is, I think, a biological response right one way or the other it's like you will i am i am horrified by the cats movie i'm not going to go see it for some reason it scares me right which comes from some sort of like i have to protect myself from this but if you're sort of like yeah it seems fine seems okay i don't one way or the other then you have no you have no bearing you have no uh you have no guide for any of that stuff which to me is almost more scary
1: see but i, I also think though that it is similar to um what's the word I think it's also though, similar to, uh, I will mean, give you an example, right? Before, uh, before the internet, right. Before like TV cameras and everything else and whatever, um, you know, there used to be, there used to be freak shows, right. At carnivals yes. and things and whatever. Yeah. so people would go to kind of yes. get this same feeling. I would argue yes. to, in some cases, get the same feeling from yes. the people that were at these shows and in many cases, these were people that were being—I um, mean, exploited. Is, it's a hard—it's a hard thing, I think, to make the case that they were being. In in some cases, they were being exploited. Let's leave it at that. They were being exploited. Right? Yeah, it, they were it's, being exploited. It is
2: exploitation. And it's—I think it's—I think it's somebody like, to view them as different. It's exploitative.
1: Right, but it's—it's. It's, I think it's harder. It's harder to make the case about that. It's hard to make that case for say, like a person who is just like, oh, I'm the bearded lady. And they're just trying to make the case, but it is a lot easier to make the case when it's somebody who has like five arms and you know what I mean? Like they are forced to be there because society will not allow them to exist in any other way. Right. Um, It's, I don't know. I I don't know. That's the far side of the bell curve.
2: Right. Like I think, I think that the, the thing about the uncanny Valley is it's like, it's, it is so close. Cause I think when you start to get into something that is that far, like that, visually different or that psychologically different, you have the break. Like you have the, uh, you have the suspension of belief, right? That this is this is no longer something that I can identify with. See, so but- it is now completely different. But it's not the other, right? It's not like a doppelganger. Like I think a doppelganger is a really good way of kind of summing up the uncanny. Like a, d- a doppelganger is your mirror image, hypothetically, or it is something that psychologically mirrors you exactly. But there's that's that's the problem or that's the difference. Yeah. But I think if you start to get into something that is um, that kind of varies from that, that's where you're like, well, I don't like. I think again, then you, it's like the horror movies, or it's like you know, it, you you have that like I think I can. Your mind can get around it because it's that much different. Your mind can't get around um, the uncanny. That's why it shuts down.
1: See, is my I- is my thought. I wonder how much of it is societally driven. So what I mean by that is like when, you know, back in say the forties and the twenties mm-hmm. and thirties and whatever, when there were these kind of traveling sideshows, um, mm-hmm. it was really easy, I think, in that situation in that society to look at those people in those shows as as, as being uncanny, as not deserving human empathy necessarily. And so being able to allow yourself to have that feeling of revulsion right away. Whereas I think in, say, today's mm-hmm. society where, you know, um, thank God the kind of stigma and the the healthcare and the, you know, the way that we treat other people regardless of the way that they look or, or whatever, right? Whatever kind mm-hmm. of, um, you know, whatever kind of challenges they've been born with or, you know, whatever – that we look at people as equal because they are people. You know what I mean? And so, and that it's not, it's not hundred percent across the board, of no, course. Right. I don't know. But well, still.
2: No, no. I, I I would, yeah. I, I I know you're not trying to argue. Yeah.
1: You know, I would, I would argue. that what uh, yeah. blind, is a
2: uh, blind egalitarian society. No, I, know I would say, I would, I would. would saying, I don't know. I think it's something different. Like I do think it, I think it, 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 it on the Venn diagram, it'll start to overlap that. But I think that this is something that exists, like I would argue psychologically, it is in everyone, and you have some sort of reaction to it. Like so, nineteen nineteen so, was when they put the words on it, right? And but even today we're like we see the cat video and we're like,
1: But what I'm Oh no, T Swift. What I'm saying though, and not to get too mm. heavy with this, mm. is that is the same sort of argument that was made about, say, um, you know, seeing uh, seeing like an interracial couple, right? That it was like, well, in the pit of your stomach, you get this feeling, and it's you know it's natural to feel that way, and that's why it's wrong nah, and whatever, I don't right?
0: Yeah, I no, think it. I, mean, I I bet in a hundred years, it. I
1: don't Marie. It is. I bet in a hundred years, no, we are gonna have like I'm I'm not even kidding, right? I'm not even kidding, honestly. I bet in a hundred years. The, the feeling that we, we are describing about robots will look weird uh-huh. and antiquated.
2: See, I disagree with you. and, ma- think, and, and, and because maybe because 100 years has passed since they were marionettes. It hasn't, we haven't gotten... I don't, so I think, I think that there's a difference between a, sort of a xenophobic behavior, and maybe this is more of like a symptom of something like the uncanny, but the uncanny can affect anybody. I think is the thing is it's not geared by, it's not necessarily geared by or informed by bias or an upbringing or a, or a social necessarily a social thing that's that clear or that mm. that is, that is that sort of, I don't want to say cut and dry, but is that linear? I think it's more of uh, more of an intangible construction of self And seeing and being able to kind of have that, have that identity or that bearing and having that, having something just, just, just not just affect you enough that it throws it off.
1: See, and what I think,
2: yeah, no, I, I get you. I get you. What
1: I would argue is, isn't society specifically there to curb our feelings like that, right? Like, isn't that the point of society? To no. stop us from our animal instincts that make us make bad decisions that are selfish, well, but well,
2: but then Freud would argue, and they're supplementing that. That's that's where this uncanny comes from as well. Like, true, you can't you cannot recognize what revulses you? Or you cannot recognize these, you know, the normal like the the socially appropriate reaction is revulsion. Hmm. That's what you've been socialized into. But what is the when you're looking at a doppelganger? What is that actually? What is that saying? It's saying something about you. It's saying something about yourself. that's so that is so uncomfortable, or that's so foreign or so unhomelike that it shuts. It, you have to have a different reaction to it.
1: See, I think I th- I actually think at the at the root of all this, Marie, do you uh, do you do you think I love that, cats. I me love too. Cats I love cats so much. I love cats. Do you cats. think um do you think that there are do you so by that same token right do you think that there are like extr uh, not extrinsic but do you think that there are um universal moral laws <laughs> Dude, we were talking about a film trailer we we're talking about a film trailer people all right. the, Come uh, on. so listen we can all agree <sighs> we can all agree the cat's trailer hot garbage scary Just- Makes you us know, uncomfortable. We don't know why. Ah,
2: man! And I love like you know singing in cars or car carpool karaoke. Love it. I just what's he doing in that, James?
1: You know what kind of pisses and me this, off? Here's
2: the un, what really quick. The uncanny thing is hearing these poor people have to like defend it too, and t- they talk about really quick like digital fur technology is the term that they gave to the 3D fur that they had to put on them. So these actors didn't know that they were going to look like this until they saw the footage, right? So you want to talk about something uncanny. You're all like, you're all T-Swift and you're all like, oh, I'm so excited. You guys, I love cats. I've just Instagrammed my cats today. I love them so much. And then you see these and you're like, what did you do to me? <laughs> you- but you still have to be all like, oh, I'm so honored. It's so exciting to be in this film.
1: What really annoys oh God, no. what really annoys me about a lot of this is, um, so let's say like Rebel Wilson, right? Who plays the kind of
0: mm-hmm.
1: in in every single movie, if there is a if there is a young woman character who is mm-hmm. getting thrown out a window, you know it's played by Rebel Wilson, pretty much. You know what I mean? Pretty much. Like that yep. is so. Yep. It must be so frustrating to be like, oh, cool, I'm going to be in Cats. What cat do I play? Oh, the one that gets her tail stuck in a mousetrap and flies out a window. Yeah,
2: the cool. kooky one. Cool. cool. Thank you.
1: Yeah, the coo- Right, the kooky. The cool. kooky one who's doing having the physical mm-hmm. comedy done with her body. Solid. Mm-hmm. Like I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. Understand. As soon as I saw that she was in the movie, I was like, "There's gonna be a cat that gets like that falls off a cat tree or something. Like she's gonna fall into a vat of acid or I, you know what I mean, like." She's always getting physical comedy done to her. It was well, like
2: I think that was what they cut from the uh, Broadway was the acid. Was the think acid that was piss. it?
1: Was the cat the cat? Uh, what's it? The cat vomiting off screen no. after the ingestion of the slightly toxic plant that it decided no, to no, eat. No, no,
2: they they have. I think they said even like they have like them coughing up hairballs or pretending to cough up Jesus
1: hairballs or something. Christ. And
2: I was like, you can't be doing this.
1: People. It's just not like, necessary. I'm not,
2: No, man, come
1: on. What's crazy, too, is what's what must be really frustrating, too, is they would have looked fine in wigs. You know what I mean? Like, it would not have changed. It would not have changed how much money the movie made, how much people (laughs) liked it. It wouldn't have changed anything except for the fact that we are doing a podcast on it. True. And like other people are complaining, but we're the most important people in the universe. So. (sighs)
0: Well. (laughs)
2: I'll give you that. I'll give you that. To me, I saw that, and that was my immediate thought. was like, got to get on this. Got to get on this and put this out to the people. This is crazy. Crazy stuff.
1: Good stuff, Marie. So So we're going to say two thumbs way up. Two thumbs way up. Two paws way up or whatever scary half-human, half-cat appendage you have. This has been the Mad (sighs) Scientist Podcast. This has been a fun one, Marie. Meow. Meow,
2: <gasps> meow. I can't even like here's the other thing it was like in like college like everyone I knew was singing that song the main song for
0: memories of
2: alone. And so you're like oh god that's the worst like andrew lloyd weber's stuff is just oh okay
1: sorry yeah it's schlock it's this not has been great. a good one well this has been the mad scientist podcast <laughs> thank you to your listeners for listening as always I'm your host chris cogswell with uh my co-host marie mayhew <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist Podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at MadScientistpod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm -hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. We love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen, our... Web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been
2: a damn it chippy production.